Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Emily doesn't realize is now she's a new person on the announcement team. <laughs> How perfect was that? That's only your second time, first service, second service. So good job, Emily. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Honestly, wow. She just did it first. Uh, uh, wow. You have a new job. Good job. How thankful are we for the coffee? Do we get an amen? Yes. How many of us need coffee every Sunday morning? Yes. Good. So we need more volunteers. Here's our vision, that everyone would volunteer one Sunday a month for one service a month. And I love what Emily said in the first service. She said, if you calculate all the time that you would serve one service a month, once a month, it would only be about how many hours? Like 12, 20 hours, something like that. Yeah, it's not that much, right? We can all do it, and that way we keep everything moving forward. Do I get an amen? amen. A Jersey amen? amen. Uh-huh, right? Everyone likes the uh-huh better. So this is the Sunday after Easter. It is the least attended Sunday throughout all churches in the United States. Usually, most pastors make their youth pastors preach on this Sunday, but I did not do that to Paul Lee. So Paul Lee, you owe me big time, my friend. He's waving to me right now. But here's what's so funny. We think about Easter as the finale, right? Christmas to Easter. I think about Easter as the beginning. This is where it all starts. This is where it all starts for you. This is where it all starts for me. And so last week, we had 418 people here at church. Now, you're saying, wow, the reality is this. We have so many people part of our church that every Sunday morning should be 418 people. Do you realize that? That should be the norm. I did not walk out of church last week and be like, that was so great. I'm so scared for next week what's going to happen. I was like, this is the norm. This is the norm. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to make church being part of a Christian community part of your everyday fabric. Meaning, let Sunday mornings, let discipleship groups be part of your weekly rhythms. Why? Because then you fully engage with other Christians and allowing yourselves to learn so that the work of God would be done in your life. Amen? 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 Good. So you're like, why does he have a light up here? Think about this. Every day I go to my office and I turn on my light. Every day, I turn on my computer. I open it up, and you hear the apple. Every day, I charge my phone and my iPad so that I am ready to conquer all that I need to accomplish. How many of you turn on a light every day? Okay, some of you live in the dark. <laughs> Seriously, I know your houses. You do not live in the dark. How many of you turn on a light every day? Come on, just raise your hands. You're allowed to participate. How many of you turn on your computer every day? 
How many of you plug in your phone every day, right? How many of you function off a tablet? It doesn't have to be Apple, but how many of you function off a tablet, right? So much of our world is plugged in. This light is useless without being plugged in. This is non-productive. There is no reason for this light unless you what? Turn it on. So here's what we're doing. We are going through a sermon series called Plugged In. It's our last of our mini-series of Mark. And our whole goal is to equip you and empower you to be plugged into Jesus so that your life gets to experiencing, gets to experience the transforming work for the very reason why God created you. Do you know that? Just like this light was created to produce light, God created you to live the victorious Christian life for what it means to be human. Do you hear me? There's a reason why God created you human. And today, over the next six weeks, we're going to lean into the very reason why God created you human. This morning's going to be intense. It's going to be a lot. You're probably going to question some things I say. Good. You should. But here's what I want you to do. Take out your device that you powered up this morning. And I want you at times to take pictures of the different slides. So you can go back and look at certain passages. I want to equip you so you can live in the fullness of who you are as a son and daughter of God. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. And God, I ask you for a movement of your spirit. I ask you for a fresh word. I ask you that you would challenge us, challenge us to live well beyond any other way that we have lived. And all God's people said, amen. So here's what we've been doing with Mark. We've been going through Mark back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Every time we start a new series, we begin in Mark chapter 1, and we walk right through the gospel. So, back to Mark chapter 1. Let's read it. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority. If you have your Bible, underline real authority. If you have a tablet, highlight it. Quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, 
and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Again, underline that. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his commands. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. So let's walk through this passage. I just want to walk through it briefly. Jesus, beginning of the ministry, he only had four disciples up until this point. Peter, Andrew, James, John. He did not assemble his team before he started ministry. He assembled his team while he was doing ministry. And so Jesus, it says, was in Capernaum. Capernaum was the hometown of Peter. Okay, little history. So you guys know some biblical stuff. And so while they were in Capernaum, they went to synagogue. In other words, they went to church. Jesus went to church. So if Jesus went to church, who else should go to church? Me? You? And so he went. And while he was at synagogue, they invited him up. And he taught. And while he taught, all of a sudden, people realized, like, this is different. There's authority. There's power. Another translation says authority and power. But authority holds power. Think about the word authority. Confidence. Believability. Relatability. Relevancy. Evidence of knowledge and wisdom. Right now, the young generation has the largest vocabulary in the history of humanity. Do you know that? The younger generations have the largest vocabulary in the history of humanity. They have a ton of knowledge, but wisdom is knowledge applied. And so sometimes I'll be talking to young people, I'm like, those are bigger words than I use. But do they really know what they mean? Because what we are is we're, we're knowledge junkies. We, we love the doom scroll. Doom scrolling means that you just scroll through things all day long. Does anyone have that conviction right now? Who doom scroll, right? Scroll, 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 scroll. Four hours later, you're just scrolling, right? And so you just take in and take in and take in. But wisdom is knowledge applied. And they're watching Jesus and be like, this guy has wisdom. And not only wisdom, as he's talking, he's, calling, he's causing a disruption. And there was a man who was possessed. The right word is really demonized. The right Greek word is demonized. In other words, he was filled with the demonic. Evil invaded his life. And as Jesus taught, this individual inside this individual, this entity inside this individual started getting angry and angry because evil can't be in the presence of God. And he calls out and says, are you here to destroy us? So everyone's thinking, us meaning humanity? What he was talking about was the evil within him. And he says, I know who you are. You are the Holy One from God. Mark chapter 1, the very beginning of his ministry, evil knew who Jesus was. And Jesus says, quiet, come out. 
And the guy was thrown into a convulsion by the evil presence. In other words, to intimidate the crowd. Imagine that. If something happened right now with a demonic and someone started flaring on the ground, what would everybody do? Run. Run. I'm out of here. I'm never coming back to this church. Meanwhile, someone's life is being changed. And all of us are here because we want our lives to be changed. And he comes out. And people say, he, he has authority. He has authority. And that's the passage. And Jesus moves on. And what we see when we read the Gospels, we we just don't go through the teachings of Jesus. We're drawn to Jesus because Jesus has power. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Jesus transforms lives. Jesus heals. Jesus delivers. Jesus transforms people in Scripture. And we read Scripture and we say, we want to be transformed like those in the Bible. We want authority in our life that literally chases out all evil, all darkness, all of our brokenness. So we can experience what does it really mean to be human. So let's talk about this. Authority. That's the thing that jumps out in this passage. How are we plugged into Jesus? It's understanding biblical authority. What is biblical authority? It's understanding this. That in the garden, that when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them authority over the earth. Do you know that? To name animals, to care for the ground, to be caretakers of the earth. But when Adam and Eve were deceived, they were lied to, to be godlike. They handed that authority over to Satan. And it says in scripture, this is what it calls Satan. It says, Satan became the prince of this age. Take a picture. Study it. He became the prince of the power of the air. And he became the god of this age. And evil was introduced to humanity. We all know what evil is. Last night, Sue and I watched the documentary about the Boston bombers. Remember that? The Boston Marathon bombers. That was evil. Two individuals killed Eight people wounded 260 individuals and caused a city of Boston. And Boston, Bostonites are afraid of nothing. If you know anyone from Boston, you're like, they're really messed up. We thought Jerseyans were messed up. They're more messed up than we are. And they shut down, sheltered in place for almost two full days because evil was prevalent. There is a God of this age. We've seen it in others We see it on a grand scale, and we've all experienced in our life. You see, evil has an entity, and his name is Satan. We don't like to talk about him. We get afraid of him. It's like, hey, Pastor Rob, you're kind of pushing this envelope too much. In other words, if I don't talk about him, we give him more permission in our lives. And so, this is his whole purpose, to oppose humanity. One, to keep people in darkness and to oppose the progress of believers. One of my favorite verses is this, 2 Corinthians 4.4. Satan, who is the God of this age, of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. All Satan wants to do is blind you. Blind you to the goodness of God. 
That's all he wants to. He's okay with you believing in evil, but not as evil as an entity. But this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to give us our identity. It says in John chapter 1 that those who believe in him are called sons and daughters of God. You see, last week was, was the Easter event. Jesus not only came to demonstrate the authority of God, but because of his resurrected life, he transfers his authority to us. Do you realize that? What we do is we, we play nominal Christianity. We play nominal Christianity. It's almost like Christianity is, is a part of our life. It's not our life living under the authority of who we are as sons and daughters of God. And when we only allow it to be part of our life, we miss out on the bigness, on the purpose of why Jesus created us, that we would be plugged into him and transformation would happen. So where does Jesus' authority come from? First, it comes from the Father. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus stepped off the throne of heaven and he put himself under the authority of God and he said, I will only do, I will only act, I will only speak what you tell me to do. We see this. He gave up his equality with God so that we would be able to experience the fullness of life for why Jesus came. And because of his resurrection, he's back at the right hand of the Father and given more authority and more power. He was under the authority of the Holy Spirit. He only acted in all that he did once he received the Holy Spirit at his baptism. It says in, in Acts chapter 10, 38, and you know that God anointed, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And with power. It was at his baptism, at that moment that he put himself under the authority of the ministry that God has called him to, that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit was working through him so we would be able to see God in him. Jesus exercised his authority. How did he do it? He taught with authority. He acted on authority. Think about Mark chapter 1. We see that in two different episodes. The way he was teaching, everyone's like, what is this? And then all of a sudden, he demonstrated it, that evil, sickness, the miraculous, we're going to be delivered and we're going to be taken care of. Jesus did so much, and everything he did resembled authority. And now, he takes a position of authority. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And not only does he sit at the right hand of the Father, he transfers his authority to us. Do you know that? Do you know that you do not have to live as you once did? Do you know that you do not have to live that, the beaten up life that you have engaged in? Do you know that you do not have to live prideful or envious or jealous or, or angry? 
but rather because of who Jesus is and who you are, you have the ability to live in the fullness of why Jesus created you. So what's the authority of the believer? What do we see? Let me ask you, who's a disciple of Jesus in here? How many of you believe in Jesus, right? If you believe and you confess with your mouth, there is a new authority that you get to live in. I think it's like this. If I could be very, very vulnerable. You mind if I be very vulnerable? I'm going to be anyways. I have so many of my Catholic friends that will come to the plant and be like, you finally gave me permission to read the Bible. Do you know that? It's almost like for some reason for years, the Catholic Church wouldn't let people read the Bible. Only the priest could. That's not how it works. Scripture says we are the royal priesthood of believers. You are no different than me. You have the ability to open Scripture and read through Scripture. But then I think there's other churches that everybody's reading their Bibles, but pastors don't talk about their identity and who they are as children of God. It's almost like, let this be a side compartment. Let this be a, a, a piece of the puzzle of your life. No. You need to understand who your identity is in, and when you live in your identity, then you get to live in the fullness of who you are. Just like this light, why was it created? It was created to be turned on, to produce something. Jesus says, let your light shine so amongst men that they see your good deeds and will praise your Father in heaven. And so we see in Scripture, we see in Mark 6, that Jesus sends out his disciples with power and authority. We see in John 14, anyone who believes in Jesus will actually do more than he did. Do you believe it? That Jesus wants to transform your life so you can be present so other people's lives are transformed as well. You see, when you're allowing the Holy Spirit transform your life, there's an authority in you that people say, I want that. And then when their life is falling apart and they say, can you pray for me? Can you get your friends to pray for me? Because there's this new authority in you that people say, I need that. Because that is God living in you. John chapter 20, as the Father sent me, so I send you. You see, the work that Jesus is doing in you, he's sending you so that you can be present, so the work of Jesus can be done in others. That's the authority. It's not about getting them to church and letting Pastor Rob kind of woo them and make them laugh and cry all in one Sunday. That's not the goal. The goal is to empower you. We gather to scatter so that Jesus is doing his transforming work as you sit under his authority and the authority of Jesus is beginning to be lived out of you. That's what this is about. And we miss it. We miss it. Every Christian gets to live in the authority. It's not for a select few. It's not for God's anointed. God's chosen. My prayer is that my kids will supersede everything I do in this world. And they will as they sit under the authority of Christ. Because what I am doing is a foretaste of what God is going to do for them. Do you see that? And so, we look at this. 
And the question is, is why are we given this authority? We're given the authority for two reasons. Identity. Identity. If you are a child of God, you are given the badge of Jesus that you get to walk around and live in a place that you are no longer identified by sin and death. And you're given authority not only that you would live the victorious Christian life, but you would be responsible with that authority so other people get to experience the Christian life that they see in you. The reason we don't have revival is that people aren't living in their authority, in their identity, and they're not taking responsibility for the authority that Jesus has given them. You want to see revival? Live in your authority. I'm a child of God, and whatever God calls me to do, I will do my best to the abilities that he has given me. And I will step into other people's lives and I will be gospel present so gospel change will happen. And as this happens, the spirit of God not only fills us, but fills others and there's a movement that sweeps across our area. It's all about authority. The reason Jesus was Jesus is that he walked in authority. The reason he didn't give into sin ever again is because he had the authority that he did not need to be conquered by sin and death. You know what it says in scripture? God always provides a way out of every temptation. Anyone tempted this week? We all were. I'm the only one? Dude, you guys are way too holy for me. I need to go find another church. Sue, we're moving to Vermont next week. That's what we're doing. We're going to darkness, baby. We're bringing the light, right? But think about this. Every time we are tempted, God gives us the authority of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, walk. Move, shift. But here's what he does. This is how he gives us the authority. And we see this all throughout scripture. We're given the authority to win. You did not come to Jesus to be worse off than prior to knowing Christ. There is nothing worse, more defeated, defeating, than when you see someone who was a Christian worse off than they were prior to Jesus. And the reason they're worst off is because deep down they know that this is not what life is supposed to look like. When we know Jesus, his spirit, the spirit of God lives in us so we win. We may lose some battles, but we win the war. We have the authority to prevent things from happening. You look at Daniel in scripture, he prayed and he fasted and he stopped something happening. Do you know that? You have that ability. You have the ability to protect, to protect. When you have this holy nudge and you have this feeling like something's going to happen to Stephen solely, God, what do I do? What do I do? I hope it doesn't happen. No, you get on your knees and you pray and you say, God, protect Stephen solely right now in the name of Jesus. Anything demonic that's going after them, you squash it. And he does it. And he does it. And he does it. Jesus gives us the authority to heal. He gives us the authority to heal. I know there are people in our church that are wrestling with sickness. I know people in our church that have gotten sick and we have prayed over and healing has come. Mariana, right? 
Amen. We've seen her healed. Has she battled with sickness after that? Of course. We're human. Our bodies are breaking down. We're going to get sick. This tent of ours is going to vanish one day. But inwardly, inwardly, because the Spirit of God lives in us, we are going to live forever. This is a foretaste. We have authority to bless. We have the authority to bless one another. We have the authority that when we see some God doing something in someone's life and the Holy Spirit nudges them, nudges us to, to bless them, guess what? We get to bless them. One of the men in this room right now, first time, first time I re-engaged in a relationship with him, he's like, hey, I hope, this, I, I hope I do better this time. I hope things go better for me. I hope I'm not who I was. I'm like, dude, I don't see you doing better. I see God making you a leader. I see God making you an elder. I see God doing stuff in your life that you don't even believe, but I'm believing for you. He goes, huh? Me? I said, you. You are here because the Spirit of God wants to do something special, and you are a leader. You know what happened to him? His spirit jumped, leaped with joy. And ever since then, his life kind of went in the right direction. You have the authority if you are in Jesus, to be part of the gospel work, to allow the Holy Spirit to transform you as you are part of helping other people be transformed as well. And yet all we want to do to go is go to church, kind of get a warm, fuzzy message, and hopefully life gets better. That's not church. When Jesus went to the synagogue, he went to bring transformation to people. He went and he said, you know what? We're going to stop this boring stuff and we're going to show up and we're going to rock this place. You know what we're going to do? This place is like turned off. Jesus steps in and he turns it on and people say, I need some of that. I need some of that. I need some of that. You see, when I think about authority, I think about an example of a police officer. Whether you're a rookie cop or a veteran cop, if you have your uniform on and you have that badge and you step into Route 17, hopefully all the traffic will stop because you have the authority to stop traffic. You have the authority to step in when someone is speeding and saying, you are breaking the law. It doesn't matter if you're a seasoned cop or a rookie cop. Because you have been clothed in that new identity, because you carry that badge, there is an authority that everybody else around says, wow, I got to listen. It's the same thing with Jesus. The problem is like the young cop, they don't believe they have the authority. Yes, they do. And so oftentimes young cops, don't, they either act on it too much or not enough. And so when they're, when they're doing traffic, they're just kind of like letting them sway and they almost get killed like 400 times. It's no, I'm given the authority. I walk in the authority. I am the authority because I sit under the authority of who Jesus is. And yet, we don't talk about this. This is the fabric of why the disciples, this is why Mary Magdalene, a prostitute, who sold herself, sold herself to people, said, you know what? I'm not that prostitute anymore. 
I have a new identity. I have a new authority. And nothing will ever define me again except for Jesus. That's who I'm defined by. Being a pastor does not define me. I will tell you this. There will probably be a day that I'm not a pastor anymore. Not because I failed or not because I fall, had fallen, but because maybe God will call me on to something else. The only thing that matters is that I'm living in my identity of who I am as a son of God. Well, let's say I'm a pastor the rest of my career and then I retire. Am I going to live my life and be like, hey, I'm Pastor Rob? <laughs> no. I am Rob Parker, a child of God. So the question is, why don't we live in the fullness of the authority of who we are. One, it's a journey. It's sanctification. You look at the disciples, and they functioned in their authority, and they didn't function their authority. And they got so caught up in their authority that they actually missed where the authority came from. And so it's this, this relational, back and forth, learning to sit under the authority of Jesus. Number two, the Moses syndrome. We're afraid of what's going to happen. What happens if I pray for someone and they're healed? They're going to think I'm weird. What happens if I bless someone? They're going to think I'm one of them. Or maybe the flip side of the coin, what happens if I pray or I bless and nothing takes place? And you get so afraid of other people. Do you know that? We live in fear of others. And that's all Moses did. He lived in the fear of others. Three, we allow our humanness and our immaturities to be barriers. Emotional barriers, emotional wounds, low self-esteem, deliberate and unrepentant sin, if you continue in something repeatedly, no matter what it is, anger, pride, alcohol, sexual temptations, you miss out on trusting Jesus to have authority over your life. Having an improper view of God, you allow your pride and your ego to get in the way. I mean, how many churches, how many people truly believe that Jesus still doesn't heal? How many? How many churches really believe in the power of God? How many churches really believe that Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I? We're good with doing good things, but are we really wanting to do great things? Think about that. And so what we do is we allow barriers to miss out on the authority that Jesus wants us to experience. Listen to this quote. We are often more convinced of our unworthiness than we are of his worth. Our inability takes on greater focus than does his ability. I do not want to be the same Parker, same Rob Parker 10 years from now. I do not want to. And when I was a young Christian, I was thinking, if I can only get over these few things, if I could only move beyond certain things, I look back 31 years later when I started sitting under the authority of Jesus Christ 
my world has been transformed. And there's still a whole lot more he needs to do. I allow lies of unworthiness convince me that I will never live in the fullness of God. And until I sit under the authority of his worthiness in my life, I'll miss it. And I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss it so bad that I'm, a will, I'm willing to say certain things that will make you feel uncomfortable. Yes, you are given the authority to bless. Yes, you are given the authority to live in the fullness of who you are as sons and daughters. Yes, you have the authority to no longer be controlled by sins that have haunted you and maybe your family for generations. They need to stop. And just as Jesus stopped that individual and all that haunted him, Jesus wants to stop that in your life as well. That's the truth. And so how do we do this? Christ's authority is your authority. Christ's authority is your authority. Because of Christ, we are given authority to live a victorious life. John 10.10, I have come that you will have life to the fullest. Embrace your identity as a son and daughter of God. Embrace it. Embrace it. Own it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid to share it. Two, God's victory only comes by active participation. Engage with Jesus. Engage with Jesus. Engage in a living breathing relationship with Jesus. Wake up early. Spend time in prayer. Read scripture. Invite the spirit of God into your life every single day. Don't do it out of chore. Do it out of relationship. Engage with Jesus. Sanctification releases Christ's authority over barriers that were built. Walk in the Holy Spirit. In other words, when things pop up, emotions, wounds, identity questions, identity issues, self-worth stuff, bring it to Jesus. Let Jesus heal you because it's through the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony that we are victorious. Learn to live the victorious life. Engage with the Holy Spirit in such a way that he does his transformation work in your life when you identify the shortfalls that keep you from God. And three and four, as Christ functioned under the authority of the Father, so we need to function under authority of Christ as well. In other words, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Who created the light bulb again? Was it Edison? Right? I'm preaching right now, so my mind is right. Why did he create the light bulb? To give light. Why? So that where there is darkness, 
we would be able to read, we would be able to see. God created you. God created you with purpose to live in the fullness of who you are as sons and daughters of God. We do not need to allow this world, evil, culture, society, wounds to turn off the work of God in our lives. But rather, we need to put on our identity and live in the fullness of who we are as sons and daughters of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, you do not have to be addicted to anything. You may struggle with it. You may give in every once in a while, but you don't have to because God always creates a way out. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to not be held down by emotional wounds that were put on you by self and others because Jesus, in his word, tells you who you are as sons and daughters of God. You don't have to just choose this, this way of life that's, that's just kind of get through it through being apathetic. You get to live the fullness of who you are because Jesus has given you identity and responsibility and gifts so you can live in the fullness of why he created you. Where does it all begin? Understanding his authority and the authority that you sit under so you can have your authority as a son or daughter, as a child of God. Amen? It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.